Can I get a business account that is tailor-made for my business? With APSA, I can. APSA Business Evolve accounts offer a range of flexible options aimed at businesses of different sizes. Each package offers free access to online banking, a savings pocket and cash flow manager, an integrated accounting tool that helps to keep track of finances and more. It's a solution that evolves as my business grows. Find out which APSA Business Evolve account suits your business and open one online today. We do more so you can. That's Africanacity. APSA's an authorized FSP and registered credit provider. T's and C's apply. You're listening to the MoneyWeb SAFM Market Update Podcast. It's 6.30. You are tuned into the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. I'm your host for the evening, Jimmy Moyaha. And before the break, we had a conversation around the bond market um, there was a statement made by the central bank uh, that the sell-off in the bond market or the lack of interest and participation from the foreign investor side of it um, p- potentially poses a problem for local uh, bond buyers as they might not be able to necessarily fill that gap I'm joined on the line by Isaac Orendal who is investment strategist at Old Mutual Wealth to take a look at this good evening Isaac thank you so much for the time um, I mean for context, that uh, gap is quite significant. If we look at five years ago, the foreign participation within the bond market in South Africa was sitting at about 42%. We're now down to about 25% foreign participation. Um, how significant is that for local players to have to pick up? Yeah, clearly it's 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 a, it's a big gap for the local players to fill. And I think that gap has largely been filled by the banking sector. Um, and they've been quite happy to do it because they can earn very generous yields on uh, buying government debt. If you look at the spread, for instance, between where banks fund themselves, you can use the repo rate as a proxy for that um, versus what you can earn on a government bond towards the long end of the curve. You know, you're talking about 10, 11% there. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not a it's not a catastrophe that that there's been foreign selling. I think locals have been happy to step up. Um, banks, pension funds, as well, asset managers. Um, the the big question, I think, is the trend. You know, does it turn around at some point? Um, because if the other remaining twenty five percent of foreign holding were to sell out, you know, then you start worrying: is there enough capacity domestically to absorb um, to absorb all the debt? In the end, what happens is the market adjusts. So so you know. Everything the market always clears if the price is right, and and so then the question is, you know, at what price does it clear? What kind of yields do we need to attract um, foreign investors back into the market, and and also to keep locals interested? Yeah, and I mean on on the yield side of it, coupled with the the fact that we then need to compensate for the fact that our debt to GDP ratio is sitting at about seventy percent, so that's obviously going to be an increased level of risk for uh, those foreign investments uh, or foreign investors rather that are going to demand that higher yield. Our bonds are technically not investment grade at the stage now. While there are some foreign investors and local investors that are not too concerned about this, um, how big of a difference is it for some of those? offshore investors, institutional investors that have to have investment-grade bonds within their portfolios and are not able to then participate um, in the South African picture at this stage? Yeah, look, I think those those investors have left the market long ago when South Africa lost its final investment-grade rating that was in March of 2020. So for the last three years, we haven't seen any any of those players. And that would typically be index trackers tracking kind of the big, the big in- indices, um, 
So at the moment, you know, it's, I think it's all about yield. It's all about whether it's it's the the risk return outlook. I, I, I must say, I think it's starting to get there, especially if you think about where 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 the currency is, mm. and um, you know how much the currency has fallen, how much the bonds have fallen. I think the the entry point now, from a foreign investor's point of view, is going to be a lot more attractive, and, and therefore I would expect. Um, to see a bit more activity from from the foreigner side. Um, of, conversely, of course, you know, if you were a foreign investor and you're investing on past performance, you know, then clearly the, the the returns from South African bonds in dollar terms have been atrocious over the last twelve months. Mm, mm. And as a, I mean, as as you rightly mentioned, the, the that has a lot to do with um, where we sit from uh, a currency point of view. I mean, the czar, for context, is down about twenty six percent year to date. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, the obvious. Um, impact that things like a rate hiking cycle or the interest rate decisions will have um, on the bonds are something that investors are definitely looking at, especially from a foreign perspective, if they're looking at the fact that um, bonds could potentially be cheaper because we're not done with the rate hiking cycle. The the Saab hasn't given us a clear indication that they're going to stop hiking rates. In fact, they've said the contrary to say they will continue hiking rates until they see that they've got inflation under control. So does this potentially mean that foreign investors might wait it out and say, hang on, South African bonds could potentially become even cheaper than they are right now and maybe we should just wait out wait it out a bit longer yeah I think the biggest driver at the moment is not monetary policy but but fiscal policy it's, mm. I think it's the risk around government debt uh, and so on that 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 keeps bonds as cheap as they are I think I think the and that's why you have a, a steep yield curve that's why the long end of the curve your long bonds trade at such uh, high yield because of the the risks um, that investors see from the fiscal point of view. So I think that's the bigger story. And of course, with load shedding, um, you know the economy looks weaker, and that implies weaker tax revenues and more pressure on the fiscal side. So I think that's the bigger driver at the moment, rather than the monetary policy. Um, somewhat ironically, I think the monetary policy is actually a positive because the fact that the Saab can still hike into a very weak economy, um, it, it hurts you and me. But from a point of view of a global investor, it says, you know, these guys are serious about containing long-term inflation. Uh, they're not going to do a Turkey or an Argentina on me. Um, so that is actually a plus from the point of view of a, of a you know, fund manager sitting in New York or London. Mm, so, so obviously, from a foreign point of view, that that definitely does sit well, and it does mean that we do become a more attractive case. But to what end? Because, uh, as you rightly mentioned, Isaac, the the question then becomes: what is the right yield, and at what point um, do we then get to that? How do we then sit back and say, okay, this is the optimal yield to start attracting investors, considering our current situation, and considering the fact that if government or if the fiscal policy then points towards that number as as an ideal yield number does that not then say to the rest of the world as well that from a fiscal policy perspective that we are taking too long to get the fiscal policy um, concerns under control and as a result of that that could potentially have some negative impacts as well yeah i think in terms of what the appropriate yield is i think that's you know every investor needs to decide for themselves where, where it fits into their their risk and return framework i think i suspect and this is a guess more than anything that uh, the whole world is kind of just looking at the ele- electricity situation over the next three months or so you know to see can we get through the winter what's the what's the real impact of load shedding do we get to those kind of worst case scenarios of stage eight stage nine um some people even talking about uh complete grid collapse although i think that is unlikely 
Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, the bond market, the RAND, everything, you know, I think at this stage uh, hinges greatly on just the load shedding situation for the next uh, for the next two months or so. And I think maybe beyond that, um, you know, the attractive yields on local bonds, you know, then investors will start dipping their toes into this into these uh, these murky waters. Mm. What does that mean then for, for from a South African point of view? I mean, if we if we're to look at the fact that we still have national elections to get through next year is the market starting to price in anything from a volatility perspective with regards to elections because that's obviously going to be driving things around fiscal policy things around cabinet changes and and um, directives and that sort of thing is the market even looking at that or do we have just too much in front of us at this point that we have to navigate our way through before we can even look to 2024 things yeah, I think I think it's in the background, um, and I think it plays into the worry that maybe you know the budget is going to be a bit a bit less disciplined in October and February, maybe uh, a bit more spending on social and uh, wages and so on, um, in order to to kind of maybe help the ruling party a little bit. But you know, to be fair, we don't really have any history in South Africa of election-driven fiscal policy. We don't have a history of you know extreme populism leading up to to the votes, you know, mm. as you see quite blatantly in some other countries sometimes. So I, I think the, the, the bigger issue is there's just a general sense of unease in South Africa. I think everybody's worried about almost everything. And of course, the foreign policy side of it is also, is also quite murky um, and is also leading to worries. And I think the Reserve Bank itself kind of uh, added fuel to the fire by talking about, you know, the risk of sanctions to to the local financial system, which of course is also again sort of a, a worst case scenario. But you know, just by putting it out there, I think it also cause a bit of a cause a bit of anxiety. So the the general sentiment towards South Africa, politically, economically, um, from a global investment point of view, is just very very weak. Um, and 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 just you know, and we don't know exactly when it'll turn around, but we also know historically that's typically the best time to buy. You know, mm. so the, the really astute investors, I think, will start to sit up and and kind of say, look, now the market is being too pessimistic. Mm. Um, you know, things things are bad, but they may be not as bad as as we're pricing in now. Um, and and yeah, as I said, start dipping start dipping their toes into the water. Mm. Murky waters, uncertainty around South Africa, but buy the dip. That's what Isaac Urendal is saying. Be prepared to buy the dip and make sure you get in at the right price. Thank you so much, Isaac. Isaac Urendal, investment strategist at Old Mutual Wealth, just giving us a sense of the picture in the South African bond market and what that potentially means for investors, both local and offshore. You've been listening to another MoneyWeb SAFM market update podcast uploaded weekdays at 7 p.m. For more MoneyWeb podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.